Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. Hello, Life Center Rainier. This is Pastor Jesse, and we just want to say welcome to Easter weekend. We're so glad that you would come and join us and engage today. Uh, I'm here filming at the church, and you're right there where you are. And we're so glad that you would get online, gather with us to engage this beautiful resurrection weekend. We're encouraged in what this season has to offer over and above the circumstances that would uh, really ultimately uh, force us into this place of uh, distance. But we know that God is up to something good. And so we're so glad that you would come and join us. Even right now is an opportunity to extend invitation. Why don't you tell someone that you're watching, have them come and join us. But we're so happy to be together. Uh, we're going to lean in today. We've been uh, journeying through a, a collection of talks, if, if you will, uh, from Palm Sunday last weekend. And we were in John chapter 12. And then Good Friday, how many of you are encouraged from Good Friday? We we're just talking about Jesus on the cross in John as well. And today we're going to be in uh, the book of John as we continue to see Jesus uh, move into the power of the position of resurrection. And through these collection of talks, we've seen the reach of Jesus. We've seen the redemption. He re reaches, he redeems and he reveals, and this is who he is, and the purpose of his reach and his redeeming power and the revealing of who he is, is for us to really know that in times of discouragement, in times of delay, in times of doubt, he truly is the resurrected king and has the power to give purpose to every discouragement, to every delay, and every doubt. And we're going to lean into that thought today. But the title of my talk, if you will, if you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. The title of my talk today is To Trust and Believe, Reach, Redeem, Reveal. To Trust and Believe, Reach, Redeem, Reveal. Now, there's something to be said about trust. You know, trust is what I would believe is the core of all relationships, and uh, this very recently, April Fools just passed us, you know, just about a week ago. And uh, I love April Fools. I don't know if you're somebody that likes practical, uh, funny things, but I, I'm a humorous person and I, I love uh, April Fools Day unless I'm the one getting fooled. But a few years ago, I had uh, this bright idea that I would fool some friends. Now, this was a number of years ago. And so this is when I was a, a bachelor young uh, youth pastor, uh, running with some other young youth pastors. And, and we would do this every day. We would get up, do our devotions, go engage with young people, uh, get to the gym in the afternoon, play some basketball, watch ESPN at night, drink some Gatorade, go to bed and wake up and do it again. <laughs> the rhythms of a young person, right? You know who you are. And, and so I had this friend, we would do this almost every day. This was our rhythm. And one night before uh, we were headed home to, to, to go to bed for the evening, um, I remember him saying, I have an early morning meeting. And I said, yeah, I do too. And, and, and he told me where his meeting was. And I just thought to myself, wait a minute, tomorrow's April Fool's. So I started to put together a foolproof plan on April Fool's. And, and so he told me where it was. I remember driving past the point where he was, knowing that he could not engage on his phone. And I gave him a ring. It's like 6.30 in the morning. And I just said, hey, man, hope you're doing good. Uh, hey, later today, we should meet up, do this, do that. Oh, no, I've got to go. I'm getting pulled over. Oh, no, I forgot to pay my ticket. I've got to go. Click. So I left him in suspense. 
left him a message, knowing he wouldn't be able to check this message for a while. He's going to be in this meeting for some time. I called back about two hours later saying, hey man, I'm down here at the police department. If you could come get me, they said they'd let me go. Please hurry, come and get me, click. Well, like a good friend, he calls me about five hours later. Hey, where are you? Hey, I'm so, man, I'm down here. The police department, could you come get me? Yeah, yeah, I'm on my way, click, hangs up. Calls me on my cell phone, doesn't put anything together. At this point, I get a phone call. He's at the police department and I hear him talking. Hey, where are you? I'm like, hey, where are you? He's like, I'm at the police department. He starts yelling at the police officers. Yes, he is. He's on the phone right now. I know exactly. He's here. I can, I'm talking to him. He goes, where are you? I go, uh, where are you? He's like, I'm at the police department. I go, hey, do you know what today is? He goes, what? Yeah, it's Tuesday. What do you mean? I go, no, do you know what today is? He goes, yeah, it's Tuesday, April. Oh my God. Gosh! And I hear the police officers in the background start to laugh. Now there's something to be said about trust. And the gift of a friend would trust me at my word. And unfortunately, I got him pretty good that April Fool's. But this is no April Fool's. Jesus is to be trusted in every way in all things. And we see in the book of John that the theme all throughout the scriptures of John, he's talking about trust, belief. You know, these words in the New Testament Greek, trust and belief, are very interchangeable. And we see even at the beginning portions of scripture, we read in John chapter one, he says that he's the the lamb of God. He came to reveal himself as, as God, to take the sin of the world. He came to reveal himself by entering into Jerusalem in this triumphant entry in Palm Sunday. But we see this theme of trust and belief. In John chapter six, verse 29, it says this in the NLT version. It says that this is the only work God wants from you to believe in the one he has sent. So it's congruent and consistent throughout the scripture of the book of John. He's talking about believe, trust. It's something to be said about who we trust and who we believe. You know, it's one thing to get on a plane and and just blindly trust the pilot. But if we are trusting our entire eternity to something blindly, I don't believe that this is what Jesus would have us to do. He wants to be our trusted, faithful, loving God. And though there's prerequisites and, 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 and education and understanding, and, and you need to, to ultimately be equipped to, to do the things that you need to do as like a pilot, we wouldn't just get on a plane if we didn't understand that they were vetted and, and trusted. And Jesus is so trusted and faithful. We even see in the portion of scripture that we're going to read today in John chapter 11, we're going to get into this, and it's ultimately talking about the resurrection. This is Resurrection Sunday. He has risen, and in the church world, we say he has risen indeed. And in John chapter 11, verse 40, it says, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, dependent upon where we put our trust and our belief will really determine how we see God in his glory. And so we've got to lean in even more, especially in these unprecedented times, we start to see God move in his glory. Even if you flip to the back of the conclusion of this portion of scripture in John chapter 20, verse 31, 
he, he's closing out this, this letter and he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, there is no other way to the great God that created us except through the, the Christ who saved us. And in this time, I hope to help us understand that there is such great belief, trust, and power in, in giving God all of our life and allowing him to lead us into this place of complete peace through the person of Jesus. I just believe that when we understand that Easter is all about the resurrection, we have to know that Jesus is not just pointing us to his own resurrection, but he is pointing us to the power that he can resurrect all. And when we lean into this portion of scripture, it's not necessarily the focus point of Jesus's resurrection, but this is focusing in on the person Lazarus. Lazarus was a, a brother, a brother of uh, two sisters is what it's mentioned here in John chapter 11, Martha and Mary. And we see that uh, this friend, Lazarus, is close to Jesus, and his sisters reach out to him and say, uh, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is, is ill and sick. And it goes on in the beginning portions of chapter 11, and it talks about Jesus hearing of these things and, and saying, okay, we'll, we'll go there, but first we've got to go back to another place. And he takes his time, and the problem is, is because he takes his time, his friend dies, he doesn't just die, but he waits so long that in the, in the customs of, of tradition of that day, they even had a theology for resurrection, but they knew that if it was past three days, it wasn't probable. It wasn't going to happen. And so Jesus waits and he goes on and he goes back to Judea, but yet he engages again and he comes back and he, and he engages with his friends again on the journey and, and the, the, the sisters are frustrated. Jesus, why did you wait? Why didn't you come right away? And we find Jesus and the sisters, Martha and Mary, going to the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. And we're picking up here in John chapter 11, verse 38. It says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I tell you, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus took up, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. We see Lazarus raised from the dead through the power of the resurrected King Jesus. And this is even before Jesus' resurrection himself. He's showing that he's not just the, the one who raises from the dead, but he has the power of all resurrection. That even when we find ourselves feeling dead in our discouragement or dead in our delays or dead in our doubts, we see that he reaches us in our discouragement. 
we see that he redeems all of our delays. And we, we clearly will point to, he reveals the power of who he is in the midst of all of our doubts. And so I want to give us these practical teaching points today. And I hope this is encouraging to us as a church. And I believe that as God continues to redeem himself through this time, he will do, through, do so through the power of his word. And the first point that I want to help us give practical understanding to is this first point. Write this down if you would. Jesus reaches us in our discouragement. He reaches out to us in our discouragements. Uh, there's nothing more discouraging, I would say, than death. If you've ever experienced a, a death in, in your, your close proximity, relationally, family, somebody you knew, there's, there's nothing more discouraging than death. And as much as we're living in these uh, restrictive times and these difficult re realities, um, this, this reality in which we live in in these circumstances with COVID-19 and the coronavirus um, are only so discouraging because the sickness leads to death. And with Jesus' words in this same portion of Scripture, he tells Martha and Mary in his response to their initial reaching out, he says, surely this sickness will not lead to death. But yet we have a concept of death, and because of that, we have a discouragement associated. And there's nothing more discouraging in life than death. But Jesus says here in John chapter 11, verse 5, it says this, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What, this doesn't seem to add up. This is actually kind of baffling because if Jesus really loves them and has the power to heal them, that this doesn't have to lead to death, why does he wait multiple more days before he comes knowing what this will lead to. Well, he knows that he knows something greater. You know, the thoughts of God are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And oftentimes we get consumed with the timelines. and We want to have control. The problem with this is, is that Jesus is the one in control and he will use all of these things to help teach us and lead us. There's, there's a couple type of people in this world, and I think you would relate with me in this, is that there's those that love to be on time. Five minutes early is late. Come on, all my friends. And then there's the other friends who um, being late is, is, is casual. It's, it's you want to be a little late, right? Why be rushed? You know, we're a little late, but we're worth the wait, right? So there's a couple times of people that think, man, uh, it's okay, uh, we'll get there when we get there. And then the other friends are like, no, we got to get there early. If you're not early, you're late. But when it comes to uh, understanding the association of the potential for death and an, an associated timeline, we don't wait, we run. We speed through red lights. We, we call for emergency service, services. We are urgent and desperate when it comes to these types of timelines. But what do we do in the times when there's such discouragement and you and I are out of control of being able to either expedite or really find ourselves getting the, the, what we would call the help that we need? It's very discouraging. It can be very discouraging, but I want to tell us today that Jesus reaches 
out to us right in our discouragement. These times when someone dies, we just think to ourselves, Lord, I thought you were the healer. When, when, when there's a loss of job, we, we think to ourselves, Lord, I thought you were the provider. We even say in, in times of uh, distance and, and unreconciled relationships, Jesus, I thought you were the reconciler. And then we go to scripture. And scripture says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says that I know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And in the times of our discouragement, because of the eminent reality that death is at our doorsteps, we can start to shift the scriptures. And if I was writing that scripture today, I would probably use the words like, God, I know you can use most things. But there's a finality associated with the concept of death. And these things are very discouraging. But let me just make it really clear. Jesus reaches out to us in our discouragement. And when we understand what he's called to reach us, reach into is our realities. And he is very conscious of all time and every element associated. And even when we get so desperate and feel out of control and get ourselves into this place of discouragement, we have to remember he is the resurrection and the life that he reaches us right where we are. And he will give us a hope in our present time of need. There's, there's scriptures that would talk about what he does in these times of discouragement. In John chapter nine, it talks about a boy who was born blind and some of the religious people who were trying to trick Jesus into saying something that would be incriminating, they asked the question, Jesus, uh, who sinned, uh, this boy's parents or him? Because he was born blind, he must have done something wrong. Because you're in the midst of something bad, you must have done something wrong if you're discouraged. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents, Jesus said. He said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Do you remember in John chapter 6, 29, when I started this conversation? I said that the only work that God wants for us is to believe. Even in our most discouraging times, we get to believe that God reaches out to us and reaches us right where we are. Jesus has this response on why this boy was born blind. He says, this will happen so that the power of God, the works of God could be revealed in him. What are the works of God? To believe, to trust. We've got to trust and lean in and believe him to a deeper measure, right? Because when we can see that these things don't happen to me, but they happen for me, we can start to see that our past discouragement and our current limitations don't leave us dead in discouragement. No, this is just the precursor to the miracle of the resurrected king revealing himself powerful in the midst of our circumstances. So number one, Jesus reaches out to us in our discouragement. But number two, Jesus, he redeems life's delays. He redeems life's delays. When we see Jesus continuing to move in this portion of scripture, he, he goes on to a place where he starts in, interacting and talking with Mary because she comes back to him and she says, where, where were you? Why didn't you hurry up? In verse 21 of John chapter 11, it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
He keeps going in verse 24. It says, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, they had a theology. They had an understanding that yes, of course, will rise on the last day into all glory. But they also had a theology and an understanding that if you get to someone before they're dead three days, you know, they, they, they were very superstitious and they had these concepts and, and, and doctrines that would believe that, yeah, the, the, the spirit stays with the, the person for up to three days, but after that, they're dead. They're not just dead, they're dead, dead. And it goes on in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, trusts in me, will live even though they die. So Martha is again saying, Jesus, if you would have just gotten here sooner. See, here's the beauty about the power of Jesus in all of his glory is that he has the power to take delays and give them purpose. When it comes to delay in Jesus, delay is not denial. He has the power to redeem life's delays. He even tells us how to operate in delay. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he tells us exactly how to wait for him in these delays. It says this, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. So this is inferred that in the delay, when we wait, we would be doing good. And it goes on. It says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is clear. He says, we are to do good and not give up in life's delays. He also tells us why he delays. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, it says this, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. This is the power that Jesus can produce in us in the times when we think, where are you? Why are you allowing things to go as long as they are? He has the power in the person of God for us to not be dead in our delays, but for him to redeem life's delays and to give purpose to them. And we understand that Jesus came on purpose for a purpose. And because of that, we have to ask, what is the purpose in this delay? And it's for him to reveal the power of who he is. He can only do certain things in certain environments. And when you and I are restricted and, and, and not able just to go about our days and do as we would typically do, and now there's a limited understanding of the things that we can function in, this is for God, Jesus Christ, to reveal himself as the resurrected king. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And because Jesus, in him, delay is not denial, this is why we can say when we seek him in prayer, we do so in process because he talks about this in scripture. He says, ask, seek, knock. I want you to consistently come to me in these times where you feel dead in these delays, but I want you to know I will redeem them. And sweet times of connection in relationship with Jesus will be revealed. And Jesus cares so much about how you and I care. Matter of fact, he even says that when his friend died, he wept. John chapter 11, verse 35 is the shortest verse in all scripture. And it says, Jesus wept. Why, does he, why did he weep? He wept because his friend died. Even though he knew he had the power to resurrect him, to expedite the process, to get to him, to heal him and save him. 
he felt. You know, in any other world religions, there's no association with any other gods that would weep. This is shown to be weak, but yet Jesus has such great empathy. He knows that in life's delays, there can be emotion associated with it. And he feels for us as we feel. And it goes on and he says, why, why would we weep? Why would Jesus weep? We gotta wrap our head around this concept of why he weeps. He took two extra days. He could have been there. Why mourn when you could have fixed it in the first place? Because all these things point to him coming in great prominence that this isn't necessarily just about this time in this place, but this is an eternal perspective that we will not be dead in our delays, but we will have the power to understand that Jesus is the redeemer and he redeems all of these life's difficulties and delays. And if you keep reading in the book of John, John 13 verse seven, Jesus says this, you don't know what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. See, the promise of Jesus is that we won't necessarily understand why we're delayed right now, but we will know that he will redeem these delays to give us a powerful perspective. And a lot of us are leaning on the timelines that are being put out in front of us. May 4th, May 4th, that's the day. Friends, we cannot be consumed with what would be put in front of us as far as timelines, we need to be consumed with the power of the person of God, knowing that he will redeem the time that he's given us right now. And your delay is not denial if we just continue to trust him to a greater degree, amen? Number three, number three and finally, and I'll conclude with this, is that Jesus reveals he's working even in the midst of our doubts. See, we can feel dead in our doubts. We can feel dead in our discouragement. We can feel dead in our delays, and we can even feel dead in our doubts. But we know he is the resurrection and the life. Again, in John chapter 11, starting in verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He's saying that there's some impasses and some problems that you and I are going to see. There's going to be some limiting factors that we're going to find ourselves saying, well, if Jesus is good, if God is good, why would he let these things happen? He's revealing it to us that he would reveal the power of who he is. You know, you keep reading this portion of scripture and it talks about the, the weeping in the morning that Jesus wept with those who wept and he finds that these people were in a place of mourning. This was the fourth day of, after Lazarus' death. And in the culture, they would give themselves to like up to seven days of weeping and mourning. This, this was a custom. This was a tradition. Matter of fact, they would even pay people to come in and be those that would mourn. But it says Jesus was very close to these friends, that he found them near and dear and even when he found them at the face of the tomb, feeling that they have an impasse that they can't get past, which would in, birth, in turn birth some serious doubts in them, he still ministered to them right where they are. Now let's talk about the tomb for a minute. The tomb is a place of death. This is where they would bring the spices and the oils to preserve the body. At this point, it, it very clearly said in this portion of scripture that, that there was an aroma, there was a, a smell. 
But now here we see these girls come with spices. This was the original Spice Girls. Zigazayah. And the tomb is the place that we see Jesus show himself true. And Jesus has the power over what seems to have finality. This place now births doubt, but this is where Jesus does his greatest work because this is where he reveals he's working even in the midst of our doubts. And he healed the sick for sure, and he raised the dead for sure, and we see these things all throughout Scripture, but it's not about what he does that's so powerful. It's about who he is, because you and I can see in Scripture, we can see in life that he is a healer and he does healings. We can understand before we receive it that he does resurrection, but until we allow him to be our resurrection in our life, we will constantly find ourselves lacking faith and doubting that he can do the very thing that he says he can do. But it's not about what he does that makes all of this so powerful. It's about who he is to us. And he is the fulfillment of all things revealed prophetically and powerfully for this this planet, for this season, and this time eternally. When we trust Jesus, we learn that it's okay to start doubting our doubts that we don't have to believe every thought that comes into our mind because faith doesn't require a lack of doubt. It requires that we have a great trust and belief in Jesus in the face of doubt. And we get to allow him to lead us into this, that when the power of who Jesus is resonates in our soul and we can say, I want that. I want real relationship. I don't want religion. I don't want a, a facsimile, a, a facsimile of, of, of another, somebody else's ritualistic routines. No, I want the real thing. I want the power of the resurrected King. I want the power of a connection with Jesus because when the power of who Jesus is resonates in our souls, we can say that's who he is in me too. We can see the power of who he is and then we can start to access this power and that births hope in us and eliminates all doubt. We can learn to doubt our doubts by trusting the truth that Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus, when when they came to arrest him in the garden to bring him to the cross, he asked a question in John 18, verse four. Jesus, knowing all that was going going to happen to him, he went out and he asked them, who is it that you want? I would ask the same question here today. Who is it do you want? Who should we want? Should we want to have control, or should we want to release in faith and trust and belief that Jesus can reveal even in our times of doubt? We see now, we see Lazarus uh, raised from the dead. And Jesus, in his own life, we see that he is arrested, brought to this painstaking place of the cross of Christ, as we celebrated on Good Friday. And now we see that we transition Jesus to his cross in John. In John chapter 19, verse 28, it says later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. And when he had received the drink, he said these words, it is finished. It is finished. 
three words that changed all humanity for all eternity. Jesus' life in that moment had the fulfillment of the purpose and the plan that was preordained for him to come to this world. He lived 30 years in preparation with three years of passion, ministry, for, for multiple hours of pain to reveal this ultimate purpose. And if we go back to, to John and Lazarus' life, we see that he was wrapped in linen cloths, buried in these garments, because Lazarus, he was going to, he's going to need those. What am I saying? Lazarus left his linen cloths when Jesus called him out. And he says, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. In verse 43, says, come out. The dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his faith. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And they left them and dropped them and it was left without any purpose. Why? Well, in the customs and the traditions, there's some historians that would speculate that this is clearly associated with now Jesus's resurrection. If we go to John chapter 20, verse 1, I want to read this to you quickly. It says this, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came up running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said... They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is interesting language because John is the writer of this book and he says the disciple that Jesus loved and then he just told everybody that he's faster than Peter. (laughs) He says in verse five, He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. And as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head, the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. What did they see in this moment? See, the comparison of the two two narratives is this, is that when Lazarus was called out, he was called out and raised again, and he left his grave clothes dropped and in a mess. And when Jesus conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave, and rose again, it says that the linens were left in its place. And they would say, some historians would say, that in the customs of those days, that when a master was being served, that any time they were given a linen, they would use it, napkins, if you will, and if for some reason they were unfinished, they would leave it not put together, but just thrown to the side and they'd say, oh, it's, it's finished. 
And that's what Jesus says on the cross. He says, it is finished. But this is a clear association that you and I can see right here in the scriptures is that it was left put together. And this would say that the napkin was folded and put in its place. And this would indicate that it's not done. Jesus says it is finished, but he's letting us know in the traditions, in these times, he's saying that we are now finding the power that he would reach redeem and reveal that in our discouragement, in our doubts, in our delays, we would see Jesus proving himself true, that it is finished, but he's saying, look, it's all put together in its place. It's all gonna come to fruition. It is finished, but I'm not done. I am coming again. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords resurrects and he redeems and he reveals and he restores and we see the power of who he is to the praise of his name, that he would reveal this purpose, that he would take us in our most discouraging times, encourage us in the midst of our delays and not allow us to continue to be dead in our doubts. This is where he reaches out to us to help bring us to heavenly places, to shift our perspectives. He brings us out of the delays to give us a purpose in the pause. And he reveals to us that all doubts that we've ever had, he will use to build in us a deeper reliance on him. Trust, believe, reach, redeem, and reveal in Jesus' name. Amen.